Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the Twisted Rancor Trio podcast. I am Jake, one of your hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Rand. And we are here once again around my kitchen table, and we are, man, I'm excited today, guys. We're talking about some Empire War spoilers. Woo! So this episode is going to be all about Empire War spoilers. The uh, spoiler, first spoiler article for it dropped from FFG just the other day. And uh, this is our first chance to sit down and record since seeing this awesome news. We've kind of had a little bit chance to digest our thoughts on it. And we're going to dive whole hog into some Empire at War. So today, we're going to have our typical three segments of street informants, force training, and our Imperial inspection. And they are all going to be about spoilers. Our street informants, we're going to talk about all of the cards that were previewed. Our force training segment is going to specifically, specifically talk about evaluating spoilers. And our Imperial inspection is going to talk about one of our favorite characters that was spoiled in the article. Mace Windu. Yeah. All right, so without further ado, let's uh, dive right into some street informants. And so I really don't think we've had much go on in the past few weeks. We had a casual tournament at the Geekery last uh, weekend before last. And then Brian and I have been preparing for X-Wing tournaments. Uh, it seems to be a lull in the uh, Destiny tournament scene right now. So Well, at least for now, uh, we have a couple more coming up in July. July and then one more in August. Right, we've got the Boom Comic Store Championship coming up here soon, which I'm going to Game Cafe's on the 1st, right. Boom's on July 8th, and then Level 1's in August. Just so you guys know, I'm going to win the Boom Comic Store Championship. Oh, really? That's like that's me calling like the Kobe before I take the shot oh, right the here. Kobe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, for any of those interested at the Store Champ in Tulsa that I went to, I placed third. Way to go. Yeah. You're the man. How likes to get third in Tulsa, it looks like. I, I appear so. You know, it's a thing. You lost to a Zach. It's, it's weird, but it doesn't work. You lost to a Zach to Zach Bun, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you lost to a Zach Bun deck that was almost specifically designed to beat Palpatine. It's, it's pretty good. So, it happens. All right. So, street informants. Our street informants tell us that Whoa. there's some cool cards in Empire at War. <laughs> uh, so, first off, let's talk about these four events that were spoiled in this article. There were two villain ones, mm -hmm. one hero, and one neutral. Correct. So, the first thing that the article talked about was the two villain events. There was Prepare for War and Ruthless Tactics. What do you guys think about Prepare for War? So, this one, it's a zero coster that if it's the very first card that is played on a round, that no other actions have been taken, then you just get a free resource. What do you guys think? I don't, I'm not a massive fan of it. Um, I don't see a lot of red villain decks being super fast right now in the meta. I agree with that. And so, I mean, they have Lockdown, which is a great tool to use with this, but then you're forcing yourself to be your first action to gain a resource. When there's a lot of, I think, a lot of better things you can do, including uh, putting, you know, rolling in your characters, putting out dice so you can roll your characters faster. It, it slows you down in a deck that obviously wants to be able to be fast in order to play it. I think it's a little bit too conditional to use, and what and then what you're using it for, I don't think is going to be the greatest. That's my personal thing. As as we have the cards right now, right? You know, it's free, but the reality is in Destiny, there's always a cost, which is losing one of the only five cards out of your hand. Right. So the question is, is is it worth taking up a slot in a thirty card deck, and also losing one of the five cards in your hand to? maybe possibly get that extra resource to you. I think the answer is no. We already have so many cards that it's hard to put in those utility cards. And with another set, I just think when you look at it, you're not going to be able to figure out what to cut in order to play that card. Right. You know, when I first looked at it, one of the things that I thought was, hey, if you're playing like a uh, e Uncar Trooper 9s deck, that has a pretty good chance of winning the battlefield role and going first. You know, if you can get this off first thing on your first turn, it can give you a lot of extra resources to play some more weapons out on nines mm -hmm. to get those three costers out right away, which is really cool. But I agree with you. You know, taking yeah. up and, and really, nines is a slow deck, so I don't see the right the after the first. Yeah, after. exactly. After that first turn, you're probably never going to get to use it again. I mean, the, the, the decks, decks that chance, so, uh, the decks that can implement claiming first probably won't be able to use it as efficiently as they want to. Because there's a reason why they're claiming first is because they're doing what they need to do very quickly. Right. And that usually means cheap cards. And if this was a neutral card, Hero Red would be able to make incredible use of it because of cards like Hit and Run, but we don't have that on the villain side. I think, I think the one upset it has is allowing you to get that fifth resource for Endless Ranks. Mm. So that way you don't have to roll in a character, resolve a resource die, and then play Hit Endless Ranks. Right. But we already have cards like Underworld Contacts and uh, Drudge Work. Which are unconditional, like underworld contacts, unconditional. You just tap it to get a resource. Right. Um, exhaust. Work, 
Exhausted, yeah. Sorry, exhausted. Yeah, yeah. It has the higher upfront cost, but in turn, you pay for it from the fact that it works every will, single turn, no matter work. what. I'm not a massive fan of conditional cards. Conditional removal is okay because you need to remove your opponent's dice, but conditional gain a dollar, I just don't think it's worth a slot. And as we start getting into Empire at War, you know that we're going to get another 160 card set. It's going to start getting, or is it 174? Something like that. Something. I think. High. It, I think it might only be 160 cards like Spirit of Rebellion. What's the, what's the card number on um, the Day of Ours? Because it's a neutral event and those get put way back. Can we even see the battlefield yet? Um, the Day of Ours is 125. 125, so... so it's red. red. Yeah, red is the first set. So, so it's probably 160 cards. So. Somewhere about there. Anyways, I guess what my point is, is that as we get into Empire at War and now we'll have three sets in of card pool, the competition for cards in your deck is going to get even tougher. So It'll you're gonna have to make you have some... to evaluate if it's is is this your third eighth best card? Right. Um, so then let's get into ruthless tactics. So this one is a red villain card. Also, it this one's a, another free card. Don't have to pay anything for it, but there's still a cost involved, Brian. Yeah. Uh, so it lets you resolve one of your dice, increasing its value by the resource cost. I think this is fine, but it'll see probably about as much play as. Uh, Natural talent. Natural talent. Right. You know, I, I agree with you. And one thing we were talking about when we first saw this was that right now, it's just kind of... It's actually a strictly worse natural talent. Right. Except for the fact that it's villain side. Until things get revealed, which we can all probably assume they will be, until things get revealed with the paid cost side of two, it's, it's a really restricted... Right. If you talent. had a character that is cheap on points because he has pay sides that cost like two, for instance, then this card starts becoming pretty dang good. You know, at that point, this card almost says... is almost just like a two damage from hand type card, which those cards are always really good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we all know how good lightsaber and synchronicity are. Lightsaber, lightsaber throw. throw. Yeah. And it can also be used with non-damage sides. So, um, like, I, you could use it if you're playing uh, Dooku with a red character. You could use it on Dooku's two discard for one dollar. You can have the three discard. Right, if you're you playing some sort discard. of uh, red-blue Dooku X yeah. deck. Or um, Ascension Gun also has a two discard for one dollar. You can be used with that. And I think uh, that getting that up to discard three can be a really big importance a lot okay, of times. Because your, your opponent will play a card, um, maybe re-roll their dice, and they have three cards left in hand. So you discard two, they still have a card. Right. But if you can discard three, now they have no cards. And I, th I find that happens a lot, where I discard two when they have three cards in hand. And so... Increasing that value could be... Pretty good, but I still don't think it's worth the slot until we see more uh, effective dice to use the card with. Right, if we see a character, like I was kind of saying, if we see a character that's cheap because their damage sides have like a two cost to them, mm -hmm. then this card could be absolutely incredible with those with those particular characters. Or an upgrade that's maybe, that maybe has a higher resource, a higher... Damage, damage amount or you know higher value with two cost resource. Right. If you're playing that with a character like FN who has the two for one side already, um, so that way if you get that upgrade, bonus gravy. But it's also already usable in your list. We, you know, and who knows? We could also see cards down the road that we could see like zero or one cost upgrades that all of their sides cost mo multiple resources. Mm -hmm. We could see things that have you know, resource costs that are, you know, two or more, but then the card ability lets you have other ways of not having to pay the resource cost. There's all sorts of different things they could do that could make this card have a lot more of a place within the game. I mean, there's also, like, if you have, like, focus, like, focus two for one dollar, and then you increase the focus three for a dollar, like, that starts to stack up pretty quickly, like, a focus side's worth Right, because there are ultimately some die sides that they scale kind of, exponentially rather than geometrically mm -hmm. yeah you can get a lot more value out of a focus side than you can have a damage side cool so that's a good discussion on that um then we'll talk about the one hero card that was spoiled we got quick escape and this one's a hero yellow card that costs one yeah i know there are kind of some mixed feelings on this one so this allows you to remove two dice that are showing damage either melee or ranged but then you have to pass every other action for the rest of that particular game round yes so um, I played a lot of uh, Hero Yellow that would try to control, and a lot of the control I ran into, issues I ran into were the control is reroll control. And so what I think this, what this card allows you to do is punish your opponent for rolling poorly. Uh, like, if it wants to have feel your anger. So what this, was, this is, if, you're, if you roll out and you're able to resolve some of your dice, and then your opponent rolls up, doesn't roll well, they have to reroll, maybe they have to reroll twice. If you've able, if you're able to resolve, a few of your dice, 
and then finally your opponent rolls their damage, you can quick escape there, and it feels like a great turn. Right. Especially with what I've seen, this is in the KC area here, this very much so uh, Zach Bun influenced idea of playing low on upgrades, high value character dice with the um, with the control. So you know his his idea of Vader and Han Ray, where he's playing. And I think we, Brian and I have adapted I think pretty well. I don't like playing more than eight dice cards in my decks. Um, and so being able to remove two damage dice, like Vader's two damage dice, right, can be massive. Absolutely. Brian, do you have any thoughts on this card? I think that it's good for Yellow Hero because it's not conditional other than the fact that you're more or less claiming for that turn. Okay. Uh, but it, it's not it's not like Negotiate where you have to have your, your, your dice in the pool already. It's not like Electroshock where you have to spot a Yellow character. It's, it's not like Wolf, Cat, and Mouse, well, which is Oof. the worst card in the game. <laughs> That's a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> it's, it's an exaggeration, but, but it's, it's definitely the worst Yellow removal card in the game, I think. Yeah, it's... I don't know. Uh, but it's very... It's, it's, non-conditional to an extent and it allows you to get out of a tight spot if you need to right and you know we don't see much in the way of yellow hero cards that just allow straight removal yeah. of any die you want to you know we uh let, let the wookie win like the, the list is, is more like let, let the wookie win negotiate loaf cat and mouse, cat and mouse. a lot of these you know electroshock is a neutral one so i'm not really going to talk about that here we're talking about hero specific ones that are yellow and yeah i mean this one Ultimately, I mean, that's a design feature of Hero Yellow is that it's weak on dice removal, but strong in other areas. And, you know, this she is definitely... Removal. Right. Uh, let the Wookiee win also is your opponent chooses two dice, not you choose two dice. That, yeah. is, that so, is one thing about Yellow Hero is that it does offer a lot of opportunities for opponent to choose. Like Loath Cat lets your opponent choose which one of your dice they want to remove. Negotiate lets your opponent choose which two of their dice get removed. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is one of the few ones we're seeing that has no choice for your opponent whatsoever. It's not going to be the best. You know, like if your opponent rolls up Vader turn one and they are showing six damage, and you're like, I haven't even activated a character yet. Do I go ahead and just forfeit my whole turn to make them stop their whole turn? Or even better, I mean, if you're going late to the turn and then they're rerolling Vader and then they finally hit the Vader, and but you've already resolved most your dice. That's well, the best case. That, yeah, that's the best case. Like, just go ahead and take take it and just go, no, right. not, I don't want to deal with that today. So, you know, this would be one of those cards that we'll, we might have to see kind of, you know, as we're building decks, whether it fits a need and also if it fits into kind of some of the character builds that we see coming out of it. I definitely War. think it fits a need. I think it will see play if Yellow Hero sees play. Right. And, you know... We're going we're gonna to see Sabine. We already know that. Sabine builds, I'm sure, will be pretty popular because she can do so much damage. Yeah. So, you know, that very well could be a thing that becomes a, uh, a site that is not uncommon. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to the last event that was spoiled in the article, and that is The Day is Ours, which had the art on this card. I was really hoping we would avoid Ewoks for as long as possible. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry, guys. Don't like Ewoks. I'm not an Ewok fan. The best part of Return of the Jedi is that you get to see some Ewoks die. Ooh, that's heartless. <laughs> but dude, those, I mean, those guerrilla warfare tactics they utilize and their intelligence in defeating the Imperial Army, I mean, can't you have some gratitude for that? They do some pretty awesome like Ameri American you know, colonization type warfare there. Yeah. You know, you can, you can defend those little Viet Cong bears all you want to, but <laughs> I'm not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. Well, all right. So as, as okay. So as as to uh, the day is ours. Uh, so that says it's cost two. And it's neutral. It's red. Okay. And it says claim the battlefield, even if an opponent has claimed it this round. Right. And so that does end your turn because you're claiming the battlefield, but it allows you to get the claim effect on the mm -hmm. battlefield that's chosen, as well as take advantage of things that make you or that happen when you claim, such as. Our favorite card that gives you a free resource whenever you claim the battlefield. Outmaneuver. Yeah. Because you there are maneuvers. Clearly, it's free. Clearly, there are no better uses of the day is ours than outmaneuver, right? <laughs> I, I, for one, cannot think of a single better use. I mean, if I have two planetary uprisings. No, no, we don't talk about we don't talk about planetary uprising on the show, no, Ryan. I do, no, <laughs> playing Pomaz, which is a deck that plays two planetary uprisings. I don't think you play the day is ours. Right, because not, not for that. You day. always claim first anyway. Because you're always those those decks that are playing those when you claim abilities, I don't see them being the ones that play the day is ours. Where I see it being used actually is in Red Villain. 
we ha- they have the we have them now mm-hmm. the um, the one that the new one the prepare for battle prepare prepare for war that lets you gain a resource where having lockdown in the day is ours uh, Krennic's ability right Krennic becomes much more reliable with that Krennic, with both of those like if you're playing Krennic Death Trooper or Krennic whatever other red character you benefit your resources you're actually able to have control of the battlefield a lot a lot more often than you normally would that's where I see this being played and. Um, Decks that rely on having the battlefield, uh, maybe like if you're playing uh, Unkar plus uh, Death Trooper plus FO Stormtrooper, that's a middle list. They want to be able to resolve that command center ability. If you claim ahead of them, they're like, let's just make you mill two. I'll pay two to make you mill two because I'm Unkar. I have a whole bunch of money. Right. Um, and I'll get to go first next turn. Now, the quote, the day is ours. Am I mistaken? And that is a quote from Empire Strikes Back after the... Invasion of Hoth from one of the Imperial generals to one of the admirals. I'm not sure. I'm sure that there's a Star Wars, uh, Star Wars quote uh, fanatic out there who will correct me if I'm wrong. But <laughs> I'm, you know, the the only thing I'm thinking of is that I distinctly remember in Star Wars Battlefront Two that a lot of times when you would win some of the missions, that I think if you're playing Empire, then they would say the day is ours. I mean, that's probably, as like a victory thing, that sounds right. but I'm trying to think of like where the quote actually comes from, and I'm probably am just being well, an idiot for not it's remembering. Not, it's not in the quotes like the garbage will do, right? You know, it's not iconic. You know, I'm still I waiting for iconic. I'm still waiting for something about uh, you know who's more the fool, the fool or the fool who follows him. But I don't know how you'd actually get that on a card. That's, it's a lot to be on a card, right? I mean, we have no disintegrations though. That's true. We do have no disintegrations. But, from our Lord and Savior. Yes. Darth Vader himself. Yes, Darth Vader, our Lord and Savior. All right, so let's start talking about some of the characters. Um, we'll talk about the one that I think, unfortunately, the three of us at this table are probably least excited about. Of these three, least excited, yeah. Right, and that's Ezra. Ezra Bridger. Have a moment of silence. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, both both Brian and Jake, I think, are pretty negative on Ezra. Um, I, it's not negative, it's just that Ezra doesn't I don't think Ezra brings a lot to the table that Balotique does, like in terms of like character comparisons. Like I definitely get that Ezra opens up the the broad and nice possibility of having five dice on the board with no upgrades. Here's here's my thing. I'm a realist, and having seven health is really bad. <laughs> is it really? Yes, for real. So specifically, I I like the idea of playing Ezra with Snap. Okay. So that's what I'm excited about. Um, and then ideally an eight cost blue character. That, like a Padawan? Well, like a Padawan. Padawan would be nice. So you can, you can throw out some dice out there for cheap. And then all of a sudden you can plant explosion because you have five dice and you have that Padawan economy coming in and you have all three colors. Right. So you can just be chocking full, chocking your deck full of, you know, free, you know, four speeds, the deal, the little blast pistol that costs one. The HO, the HO, the HO, you can get all of the really efficient weapons. And then all of a sudden you're just like, I'm going to turn one, I'm going to plant explosion. You, That's a possibility. And you have Ezra's economy denial plus snap to mm-hmm. really make your opponent stay difficult. Um, and so I think, I think that deck, there's, there's some promise there. I'm, I'm going to be trying it out. I'm kind of excited for it. Um, it's a combo deck. Um, right. So that's a little... And the idea of running two 7 health characters and an 8 health character would be so scary to me. Just That's me personally. Like I like my characters to have a little bit of beef to them. Yeah, I understand know. that. Or have a lot of them. At least or at least have one character all. that you know is really tanky and then the rest are kind of like, okay, well, right. it is, it you're, you're going to die, it's fine. It's 22 health, so it's a lot of it's more health than a lot of two-character lists. That's true, it is. So you're that. more prone to AoE damage, of course, but... Um, if you run up against somebody that can just do single target damage, you do technically have more health. That's true. That's I mean, true. But then you have like Vader with Makashi training, and he can easily dish out. Seven. Well, my here's my theory on it: is my theory on the idea of um, having low character, low health characters, is that as soon as you start stacking upgrades on your low health characters, it immediately gives your opponent a really good target to prioritize. And we've talked about it on the show before how killing a character is the best means of control. So it makes you really susceptible to having both your good upgrades and two character dice removed from the table without a huge investment of resources or effort from your opponent. Most so that's certainly. that is my biggest criticism of decks that have multiple low health characters. Now, I still am a huge fan of stormtroopers. The biggest thing there is because stormtroopers are just so efficient at what they do and Only a so cheap for it. Right. That you know, it's kind of one of those things where you 
you don't bring stormtroopers for the longevity. You bring them to do what they do really well and then redeploy the weapons off them when they die. Yeah, and obviously as more sets come out, low health characters will become better with more redeploy options. Right. But let's talk about Ezra himself because we, you know, we kind of poo-pooed on him right off the get-go without really getting into the meat of what he does. This is true. And what he really does is that he's a 7-10-point cost character, which is awesome. Yep. He's the very first character that is unique in 7 points and also elite at 10 points. Very first time we've ever seen that, both hero and villain. Yep. It's also the first time we are seeing a character that is a non-blue character that can have blue upgrades played on them. Right. He can have um, more blue upgrades than Shurit or the Royal Guard. Which is <laughs> pretty <laughs> hilarious. So he can have both blue upgrades, uh, blue, uh, blue abilities, abilities and, equipment. and equipment. Or weapons. Right. Or titles in the case of Master of the Council. Just not Luke's lightsaber because that's blue character only. He can, in fact. Because it's all play restrictions. You're right. Right. Yeah. Ezra's ability is blue upgrades, not blue abilities or anything like that. It is all blue upgrades. So Master of the Council, Lightsaber, Luke's Lightsaber, anything like anything that. Anything that says blue character only, Ezra's he can got you. Now, you can't spot him like a blue character, which is a little sad. You like half of him. Right. I'm um, excited, though, for this for future characters like um, uh, Zeb. Not Zeb. Um, Zuckus. Right. Who would also be a character kind of, thing, kind of like this, a yellow character that Absolutely. could receive those blue upgrades because he's force sensitive. I 100% agree with that. And so his dice, it's a lot like Balatik's dice. It's got a black one range side. It's got a blue two range side. It's got a one shield side. Nope. No, I'm it's sorry. Got a dollar it side. Not, that's right. It's got a dollar side. And it has a blank. And it has a blank. So it's got two differences from Balatik's die. Instead of having a shield side, it's got a one disrupt side. And instead of having a focus side, it's got the special. And the special is take it or ruin a resource from your opponent. Right. Which only works if your opponent actually has a resource to take. But if they do, it is functionally better than just a one resource side. Or a one disrupt side. Right. It's, it's both. both. It's both. It's both. Which is actually kind of a really elegant thing with the way his die is constructed, where it's one disrupt, one resource, and then a special that combines the two. Yeah. I, I'm, that's why I'm excited for it to play him with Snap. Uh, a lot of times when you're playing Snap, you're like, I want to make, make, make sure my opponent loses their resources. But then you're using your Snap dice to do that. So then it's easier for them to get around Snap's ability. By having that second character in there that, that puts the economic pressure on your opponent, I think it gets a lot better. It's a lot, it's a lot different with his special where you have like one resource side and they have a disrupt side. So you're like, oh yeah, if I take this dollar, they can, they can spend that, that character die, that, that Vader die to disrupt my dollar. But with Ezra, this isn't the case because you can take that dollar, but then you're just giving them a dollar. Right. Like that doesn't feel good. Your actions give them a dollar. Right. Um, so he does really cool stuff. And obviously we talked about, I don't know if we talked about this yet, actually. He does open up the possibility for five character dice decks. Yeah. So you, right. And there are a lot of different combinations. Five dice character decks. Right. There are, there are a lot of different combinations you can do. They generally all involve Snap, Maz, Ray, some combination there, and then a and then a non-unique character. Yep. That's kind of where it centers around. I guess my criticisms around Ezra, I kind of have some of these thoughts. I don't want to be too negative, but you know, his ability, being able to ignore play restrictions for blue abilities, there's nothing really what that synergizes well with him. The, the best thing for you his got abilities. is is like the handcrafted light bow, which also synergizes with Turret. But you don't actually need any but it's, it's his not like ability. A straight, it's not a straight. Life. Well, you don't need his ability to play it on him. I guess is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, that's, that's, that's you know, um, you know, the things that actually you would need his ability are your force powers, your Luke's lightsaber, and Master of the Council. Master of the Council, you wouldn't want to put on Ezra. Right. So the problem is, here's my thing: is that blue upgrades they tend to be expensive, and he only has seven health. So you don't really want to put like a force throw or a, you know something like or that. Force speed. Right. At four speed, it's cheap, but then it puts a huge target on his head. Your opponent says, hey, he's only got seven health and he's got four speed on him. I'm going to kill I, that I, I can take that guy out. Right. You know, one good thing, one with the force is a great card for Ezra, though, because you can just override an expensive upgrade that's on Ezra into one with the force right before he dies, and now you've got that great upgrade on the table for the rest of the game. One of the best dice in the game. Right. Um, you know, he, he kind of needs a, like a one point blue character only upgrade that is good, but not so good that your opponent will go after him or like a blue character only see, redeploy. We might see Ezra's lightsaber, which also functions as a blaster in the show level rebels. That's true. Yeah. We could, that could see be that. like a blue character only maybe cause it is still technically a lightsaber. 
Right. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see the types of things we might get that Ezra can take advantage of that aren't kind of used better though by like Padawans getting a discount on weapons or it binds all things, making them really cheap for other characters. Well, I think I think Ezra is the counterpart to the Padawan. Because the Padawan gets a discount on weapons, but the only weapon that really uh, Ezra gets the effect from is Luke's lightsaber, whereas Ezra gets the ability to use those abilities that a Padawan doesn't get the discount on. So it's kind That's of... That's true. That's true. They're kind of on the opposite sides of it. So, I don't know. You know, it's... It's something that I'm not sold on yet, but as we'll get into during our force training segment, you don't always want to discount something just based on spoilers because you don't have the full picture. And we'll get we'll definitely get into that. Our force training is going to be all about that exact thought. So then let's talk about Thrawn. Thrawn's one that a lot of people are super excited about. Not only because, you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn is a really iconic character in the Star Wars extended universe, and also now with Star Wars Rebels bringing him in, he is new canon and even more awesome than he was before, I think. But also because his in-game effects are ridiculously cool. His innate ability is is fantastic. It's it's I think one of the one of the strongest abilities you get for activating a character. It's better than having it's better than having your opponent discard a card. It's better than drawing a card. It's right. Rand, do you want to tell us what uh, Thrawn does? And Brian, you can do Mace Windu after that. Oh yeah. Alright. Uh, Thrawn has act after you activate this character, you may choose a number. Then look at an, at an opponent's hand and discard a card from it that costs the chosen number. Man, that he is has, so good. It's really good. He has 12 health. He's at 14, 17. He has a one focus side, a two focus side, one disrupt, one shield, two resources, and a blank. God, everything about him is just great. How much does it cost? 14 for one die, 17 for two dice. So he's expensive, but I mean, he's got 12 health, which is amazing. Yeah. He's got an ability that lets you just snipe out whatever card from your opponent's hand yeah, you know you're going to be scared something of. Something Brian pointed out to me earlier today, once you've activated him once, you know what your opponent has in hand. Right. So if you can just remember that and they don't ditch everything, you will always be able to say for sure... I know what you have this card in your hand. I'm going to make you discard that because I don't know what else you drew. I don't want to miss this opportunity. Exactly. And then you might get lucky and get something else that's more valuable. But, one. you know, the thing that's amazing about Thrawn is that, you know, you, you can gain so much knowledge in Destiny based on what you see from an opponent's board in front of you, both their characters and their battlefield. So if you're saying something like, oh, hey, my opponent is running Vader Raider and it's turn one hey, I'm going to say zero cost and look at your hand. If you've got a Sith Holocron, I'm going to pull a Sith Holocron out of there. If you've got a, don't have a Sith Holocron, but you've got a bait and switch, I'm going to pull your bait and switch out of there. There's a lot of effective zero cost cards. Another thing that I think Thrawn's really good at is against most decks so far, from what from the attachments and the way decks have been built, if you have the initiative and you activate Thrawn and you call two, that could be the only attachment in their hand, and that sets them back so far. Right. You also get perfect knowledge of if they have any upgrades, how greedy can you be on board? Absolutely. You know, against Pomaz, you can pull out, you can say five and pull out a Millennium Falcon or a U Wing. You know, there's just so many things that just based on what you know with against what's against on the table. What characters right. Played. If you're going against somebody that has like melee centric decks, guess two, pull out their Vibro Knife, gone. Playing against. Uh, hero yellow decks, you call three and you get second chances and hyperspace jumps. Those are both very effective game-changing cards. Absolutely. So, you know, I guess the thing about Thrawn is that, you know, when when his title is what? Grand Strategist? Master Strategist. Master Strategist. That if you are a Master Strategist of Destiny, Thrawn is going to be absolutely incredible for you because you are going to not only have perfect hand knowledge of your opponent, but you're also going to be able to deny them the cards that they most want to play or that you know will most hurt you. Yeah. Or even or even you're playing against like a Palpatine deck and they're you know, I don't know what you're doing to hurt hurt their Palpatine with Ron specifically, but they stack up to five resources and you call that five and you hit that rise again. Right. That's a turn. Man, it's he, there's so much good about Thrawn. And then we talk about his dice. He's got a two-focus side, which is incredible. He's got that one disrupt side to pair with Imperial War Machine. I'm sorry, Imperial, Imperial Inspection, Inspection, our favorite uh, card, right? <laughs> and then he's got the two-resource side. Yeah, it's two resources it's the and it's black. First, it's not blue. It's not a modified side. Right. First character in the game that has a black two-resource two side. Yep. So good. And, and you can logistics that up to three? Yep. Oh, my gosh. And you can pair him Elite Thrawn with Elite Unkar. Right. That's 30 points. Makes Crime Lord super easy to pay for in that deck. Yeah, oh my Crime gosh. Lord's easy. It's really easy to trigger your Imperial Inspections. It's really easy to trigger your Solid Sands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can just make sure that your opponent has a terrible time while you're sitting there laughing. Yeah. 
so bathing in stuff. the cash. Yep. You know, and yeah, Thrawn, Thrawn Unkar, you get so many good things. You know, tactical mastery plus ace in the hole with it with the crime lord. You can is take eight resources in your first turn. Oh man. We could go on and on about just how good <laughs> Thrawn is. And you know, we haven't even really started talking about like you know, in the uh, in the preview article, they mentioned Thrawn Kylo as being a, a kind of a effective combo. But the reality is, is that as the game gets bigger and we start seeing more characters on the Empire side that are 12, 13 points at the Elite version, Thrawn is going to get in just better and better. Yeah. I think right now I'm sitting on uh, Thrawn Unkar being being the kind the, being the kind of deck I would play without knowing the rest of the spoilers. Any we don't know any of the other villains out of the set, right? Right. But Thrawn Unkar seems like a deck that I would play as Thrawn, not Thrawn Kylo. Um, that seems a little bit too spotty for me, whereas Thrawn Unkar is going to work, and it's going to work every turn. It's just, does what is, is what it's trying to do good enough to beat what your opponent's trying to do. And then if, you, if, you're, calling, if you're calling things out with Thrawn, you get to get sneak that peek at their hand, if you're playing with Unkar, you can, you can determine the value of removing three value dice to see what's in their hand. You call, you call one, you hit the one, then the rest of their hands, twos and threes. Right. I think well, they're not creating this turn. Well, yeah. you can call zero, get that, you know, get that guard out of there, get get whatever you want at zero, and or get that force speed, that holocron, and now that's one less zero they have in their hand for Ankar's ability. Right. And you get to know, oh, and they only have one cost in their hands. I'm just gonna take that money. And on top of that, Thrawn has two sides that have a value of two to help you get off Ankar's ability even more. Yeah. So good stuff all around. So let, let's talk about uh, our, our buddy pal Mace Windu, <laughs> the Jedi champion. The Jedi champion. So Mace Windu clocks in with 12 health. He's he's pretty hardy, one of the most hardy characters in the game. Although that, that number 12 number is getting more common as the game gets It is bigger. getting more common, so maybe it's not as hardy as we think it is, but I think Palpatine being at 15 kind of puts a cap on what the highest that character health can be. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Um, until the hero version of Palpatine comes out. Yoda. Yoda. Probably. Probably. Most likely. Probably. Asterix. <laughs> so we've got two melee, two melee, four melee for one dollar. That's exciting. We'll God, four melee is so good. Let's, let's get the rest of the die out here. Guess we're going to get the rest of the card. We got one shield, one dollar, and a blank. He clocks in at uh, 16 for single die, 22 for elite. Expensive, but fair. Expensive, but fair. We have an action. Remove this die, referring to Mace Windu's, to defeat a character with two or less remaining health. Right, so no so, matter, they got shields? They got shields, don't care. Force illusion, not today. Armor plating, lightsabers pierce armor, guys. Lightsabers pierce armor. That's true, they do. It's like the uh, scene from Phantom Menace where they're melting through the, the doors and the Nemoidians are like, uh, what, they're still coming through? Lightsabers don't want steel doors, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and also, the amazing flavor text, the party's over. Right. This party's over. I, I can't do a good uh, Samuel Jackson voice, no one but can. Yeah, that's true. I guess Samuel Jackson can do a good do I, I Samuel guess, Jackson so, voice. I guess want to be technical about it. Yeah. I mean, and plus you do open up so many opportunities for jokes about there just being too many too many mother effing snakes on in this mother effing game. Uh, Sith Lords. Right, there's too many Sith Lords in this game. Yeah, oh man, I'm so excited for Mace Windu, and we're gonna actually feature Mace Windu for our entire Imperial Inspection segment because Rand doesn't He's play exciting. too many uh, too many hero decks, but Brian and I are super ridiculously excited about. Mace I don't Windu. play decks that do damage. Oh, that's right. He doesn't play except, except for Pomos. Pomos and Palpatine. Right. But, 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 but. I had to get my regional buy, and then and then I'm going to try and work out and really figure out how to make Mill fantastic. But we'll get to more on base and our Imperial inspection, so we don't ever saturate right. uh, our street informant. And the last card that they talk about in the spoiler article is Master of the Council, which the, one of the first things I saw when I looked at this card, and I'm really glad that somebody posted this on Facebook, was that since it's a hero character only, Anakin cannot become a Master of the Council. Not just, yet. It's just so perfect. <laughs> um, but Master of the Council is a four-cost blue hero upgrade. It has the sub, I guess the subtype of title, okay, yeah. which is a new thing we're seeing. First, first of its kind. Right, we haven't seen titles yet, although maybe in the future there might be more things that specifically deal with titles, like you get to you know, play titles for discounted costs, or, hey, you know, I think would be a really cool card to see in Empire at War, would be, like, a, overthrow, I don't know, like, a, a, su a support that, like, costs zero out there, and says that, like, when one of your characters, def like, 
one of their character upgrade dice does damage that defeats a character, then you can play a title on that character for free. Ooh. That'd, uh, that'd be that'd be pretty interesting. I think I think what's interesting about titles is that I'm I would be hard pressed to say that a title is probably always going to be a unique upgrade. That's probably a good prediction, although maybe not going to be universal. Not necessarily. Well, but, knight's a title, right? And there are many knights. That's fair. Right, you know, Jedi Knight could be a title. That's, yeah, okay, you got me there. We'll see. I don't know, we'll see. But I agree with you, though, that, like, it does seem that title could be something that they can use. And that's the thing, Master of the Council is a unique upgrade, and so I definitely agree that we could see titles being... Uh, kind of a unique thing. Well, let's get to this this die. It's very interesting. Right. So Master of the Council is a blue character only upgrade. So just your blue characters in Ezra. Um, uh -huh. It has four sides. No blank. I'm sorry. No it, blanks. It has Ooh. it has six sides, and none of them are blanks. It has a plus three melee, a plus four melee, two shield, two resource, and two sides that both have specials on. Tell me what that special does, Jay. Oh man, I'll tell you what that special does, Brian. But but I mean, first you gotta you gotta be ready for me to talk dirty to you because this is some man, this is some smooth loving right here. Whisper in my ear. All right, exhaust this upgrade and okay. spend two resources to ready a character. What? Yes. So that ready, means ready a character. That means that you can activate your Mace Windu twice in a round, which Whoa. is kind of ridiculously amazing. Whoa. You can um you can actually activate more than that because you can copy right. that master council. You can get into you could get into some overriding shenanigans. You could even play cheat to bring back master of the council in your hand. And yeah, okay, there's some there's some silliness that can go on there as long as you have the resources. Right, but that being said, as a base, right. You know, the ability to potentially activate your character that has a four damage side and has an upgrade on him that, that does has plus, plus four melee, side, yeah. you know, being able to do that twice in a round, that's insane. Or even just, you know, Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight, being able to activate him twice in a round when he's got, I don't know, fast hands and force speed on him when he's paired with Maz, that is an incredible combination. That's really potent. Yeah. Or if he's paired with um, Akbar. You could leadership Akbar and use Master of the Council in the same turn right. to give to give Luke three, three activations, and you get to draw a card for every activation, so you don't need to worry about re-rolling if you hit a bad roll. There's some good stuff in this uh, this title, and uh, I'm really excited to put this into my Mace Windu decks, and probably some other decks too. It'll kind of depend on what things we see out there that work well with it. But Rank, man, Rank can become a Master of the Council. I gotta say, you know, Destiny, the blue. The blue, blue event, event that came out in Spirit of Rebellion, that card makes Master of the Council so much easier to play and much more attractive as an option. It does, definitely does. And also, while we're here, let's talk about the free event guard. Right, because you can use that plus four side on Master of the Council to remove four of an opponent's dice with guard. Your choice. Right. You, there's, there's like, if you're playing Palpatine, if you're playing as Palpatine, they roll out and they only have two upgrades of Palpatine, if you guard with a four, it's an entire Pop, Pop sits down. Right. You just you basically just noble sacrifice them with one single dice. Not a character, just just the die. Right. It's incredible. Um, so one last thing I wanted to talk about before we finish up on our street informant segment. We five, five, ugh, we have finally seen the box for Empire at War. Yeah. We saw that on FFG's website when they put on the upcoming products. On it, we see a couple things. There are a couple dice that we can see. There's a red dice on the box that looks like Thrawn, so that's nothing ex new and exciting there. There's a gray dice that we unfortunately can't make out who is on it, but then there's a yellow and a blue one. The blue one looks like a picture of Luke Skywalker in his Tatooine clothing, and then the yellow one is the spitting image of one Lando Calrissian. So, what do you guys think about that. Do you guys think that it's going to be Lando as a yellow character in Empire at War, or do you think it might be another upgrade? I think Lando makes sense. You know, they released Han, then the next set they released Chewie, you know, they're bringing it all in with Lando, and then you got, you know, you got the three Amigos, the three Musketeers, back at it again. Um, I'm hoping that Lando, you know, if they're all three, though, yellow hero, mm -hmm. they kind of doesn't, you know, Chewie doesn't work best with Han. So I'm hoping maybe Lando does work with Han pretty well, or right. works with Chewie pretty well. One of them, because the two of the, unfortunately the two of them don't work the greatest together. Right. Do you think they'll maybe cost Lando a 12 points so it opens up more Ezra options? 
I personally think that they'll go one of two ways with Lando. I think that they'll either go with the mid points cost, like twelve sixteen, or okay. they'll go with like a, gen- a gen route being like a fifteen twenty. Right. I think that he'll either be like yeah, like a fifteen sixteen twenty, or like a like twelve sixteen something like that. I don't, I don't think he'll be cheap. I don't think that Lando's gonna be more expensive than Han. I just, there's no way that uh, Lando has the ability to be Han in fight. He I mean, to, he has to bring in guards and stuff now. It'd be pretty awesome if Lando was actually a villain character. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I want it to happen. Oh, man. <laughs> Not knowing any of the extended universe or anything like that, just knowing pretty much stuff from movies and the few games I play of Star Wars, Lando was a bad guy. Oh, okay. I mean, from a certain point of view, all of the hero characters are the bad guys. Yeah. Which is the correct point of view. Right. But... That's neither here nor there. Luke Skywalker. So let's talk about that. Because the blue dice sure looks like it's Luke. It could not be because it's very, very low resolution picture of that box. So we don't know 100%. And we definitely can't even tell what symbols are on the die. It but, could definitely be like in relation to Rejuvenate. Like obviously Rejuvenate is an event. But in terms of like Luke and his attachment clothes, it could be something dealing with Obi-Wan. Right. So if we see like a Luke Skywalker who is younger in the, you know, either, maybe he's in his, like, in his early uh, A New Hope days. What do you think his epithet would be? Would he be, like, Hero of the Rebellion, or would he be, like, Tatooine Moisture Farmer, or what? Or, like, uh, would his would his te- flavor text say, but I was going to go to Tashi Station. <laughs> what do you guys think? I think Luke might be maybe perhaps if it's this new hope luke he might be one of the first blue characters that has uh like night sister uh, an excessive amount of blue range size on him okay do you think that he'll have anything to do with shooting womp rats they're only three meters wide i do think um he might have maybe <laughs> we'll see <laughs> oh man what do you think what i do you think, think i think if, they, if it is a new hope he'll have some range sides Mm-hmm. And he'll look similar to the other pilots we've seen, like Poe or Snap, because that's what he is um, in that first movie. He's a, he's a pilot right. who happens to be force sensitive. He's not such a bad pilot himself. Actually, so, that'll I, probably be the uh, the flavor text. It is I'm not such a bad pilot myself. So I, I I think he might he might have something to do with supports. I think that would be exciting. It would be it would be nice to see a character that works well with supports that isn't Veer, something on the hero side. Maybe helps you get those supports out on the battlefield, right? Because you know, Veers, Veers, once you get the dice, once you get them on the battlefield, right, he helps you out there. But getting them onto the battlefield without playing cargo hold is the difficult part. I want, I think, and so being able to do that more effectively is something I would hope to see out of him. It'd be a completely different direction for Luke, though. But if it's that New Hope, young Luke, um, that's what I think of when I think of him. He's he's, fi- he's he's flying the plane, he's shooting the the, the rats and. In the he got one. In the he did. He got one. Um, all right. So then the last one is on that box that we see a big old art of Leia Organa dressed in her garb from A New Hope and also, I guess, the end of Rogue One, technically. But um, so she's shooting a uh, she's shooting a blaster rifle. Um, very kind of throwback to their escape from the Death Star. Um, do you guys think that we will see a new version of Leia Organa as like Princess of Alderaan or Galactic Senator or something like that? Or do you think that we might just see like an ability or some other upgrade? I think that uh, she's already the art on um, our, the day, our day is the hope. Oh, man, I just completely forgot the day is ours. The day is ours. Um, so there's already one event with her picture on it. I've noticed, I think they, they keep reprinting characters and I think they want to, they've reprinted a couple of, um, I think they're going to reprint the character. Okay. As a new thing, you know, Leia doesn't see a massive amount of play, but there's definitely a lot of um, there's definitely a lot of area for to be used with her. So mm-hmm. I think a new character would be pretty interesting. And putting putting something on the box that isn't a character, I don't know how I feel about that. Because on 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 SOR boxes, there's like Turret and there's IG88. Both are, and I think Death Trooper as well. Both all all three of which are kind of all characters in the game. Right. right. And all the art that they used is character art. So then we very well could see Leia Organa in her A New Hope 
incarnation as a character in the game. And obviously they've already reprinted like Darth Vader, so right. it's not beyond the scope of it's too soon, well apparently it's not. So we might very well see two reprints of existing, not necessarily reprints, Reprint, but new but versions new, of existing characters. Which I think is fine, it'll, it'll give a press perspective, because like we'll definitely, if this if this new die with Luke on it isn't a new Luke, we'll definitely get some new ones. Yeah, and I think all the reason they'll do that is if you're coming, it's, it's based around Rebels, I haven't watched Rebels. It's, you know, it's on Disney XD, right? Right. I don't have access to that. And I bet you a lot of people don't watch it either because they're like, all right, yeah, it's Star Wars, but it's Disney. It's probably for kids. So they're not going to know these characters. They're not going to know who Hera is. Uh, Chopper was spoiled. We didn't get to see what he does, but we saw this die. Right. Um, they're not going to know who all these characters are. So being able to bring in those, those you know, new ideas of young Luke, young Leia, for those people who don't know what the Rebels characters are. Do you think we'll get a young Lando? I'm sure once the <laughs> once the once the Han Solo movie comes out, I'm sure we'll get a young Lando. And he'll look like Donald Glover. And it'll be the happiest thing ever. Wait, who? Donald Glover. Who? You mean Childish Cambino? Yes. Oh, okay. Never mind. Alright, we're getting no, I mean Donald Glover. Oh okay. Wait, wait. Troy I thought, from I his name was Troy. No. Are you sure it's not Troy? I'm sure. Are you okay. All right, now I'm all confused if we're talking about Lando Troy or... Talking about Billy D, man. Oh. <laughs> all right, well, that was a uh, very, very long street informant section, but uh, well worth it, I think. Let's go ahead and get into uh, force training. So we're probably going to do a pretty quick force training segment here, um, and it's going to be talking about evaluating spoilers. So there's kind of three main points that I wanted to talk about, and I'll let you guys kind of talk about these, the first ones and the second one, and I'll hit the third one. Um, the first one is kind of when you're evaluating spoilers. And uh, Brian, can you talk about this, have your thoughts about it, is that understanding that our information is incomplete. I think with spoilers, it's important to remember, like, we, we kind of we kind of did this to Ezra a little bit, a little bit, where we went, Ezra, nah. But we have to keep in mind that there's an entire full, there's a full set of things that we don't know about. Like Palpatine. I, I personally, I slept on Palpatine for a very long time because I saw him and I was like, well, he's good, but nah. But as more and more parts came out, namely, specifically Force Illusion. I think Force Illusion was the big tipping point for me for Palpatine. Because Force Illusion allowed it to be like, oh yeah, well I got this prize again, but then maybe he only gets like 20 health. We throw in like a Force Illusion there, then he's pumping up like 24 health, and that gives him enough health to compete with, with the rest. It gives him a hearty amount of health. Right, and Dark Presence is another one that we do did not have any spoilers about ahead of time. But once we got the full set and we saw Played how that it. would interact with Palpatine, we understood that this is an incredible card with Palpatine that really helps to round it's him out. Solid dice removal. It's not, it's not your choice, but dice removal is dice removal, and especially when you're playing early in the game. My first turn, Dark Presence, and you're all like your stormtrooper, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't have the upgrades, so I get Palpatine. You hit that discard side, stormtrooper gone. Just right. going to range damage, you just save yourself through range damage by activating character. Absolutely, um, Rand. So, what do you think about the idea that in evaluating spoilers? that by the time that the stuff actually comes out, that you can have a different meta playing in. This is 100% the case. If you look at, um, if you look at Awakenings, right? Uh, what, we can look at Worlds. Worlds was an Awakenings-only meta, and we can see what was, what was in the top. Your top four decks were two Vader Raider um, decks. Vader Raider people going into the tournament were not expecting to see it. And then you have one Han Rey, um, played by our friend Zach Bunn, and he, um, and then you have one Phasma Balatik Trooper. So when people were getting their hands on Spirit of Rebellion stuff, or getting in the lead up to that excitement, they were kind of thinking about Spirit of Rebellion, Rebellion spoilers in the context of these kinds of decks being the yeah. decks to beat. So I think, I think Vader Raider has become much more consistent. Vader, Vader Royal Guard is also fantastic. Kind of fills a similar slot, a little bit heavier on control, Less burst, less, um, more, more viable to control, but also able to push out more damage out of the Vader guard. You have Han Rey. Han Rey has dropped off here in KC. Uh, when I went to Destiny Day, it was it was in the top four. Um, I think twice over was in the top eight, twice over, and one of them was in the top four. They got second place. So it's, the potential is still there, um, but it didn't do as well. But what we're seeing now is we're seeing Pomaz, which is Pope Padme was played. But not and common at all. Not common at all. And it was often made fun of because it, they were just trying to get out Millennium Falcon and then not play the game. Right. You know, Hyperlupin. And um, then you had, you see, so you have Pomaz now, you have Palpatine now, which would not have fit in any of those spots. Um, you have um, Vader Guard, 
and then you have decks like FN and then um, FN decks and then Punkar decks. Those are the kind of like the five decks I see the most, whether it be FN or Kylo with Baby Vader. And so, like for example, I know I was really at the be at the kind of the lead up to Spirit of Rebellion. I was so excited for with the cards that we had seen a kind of new version of Qui-Gon Rey because I was convinced that Qui-Gon Rey was going to be one of the decks to beat because I was thinking about it in terms of Awakenings decks, beating those decks. Yeah. Not realizing that necessarily that when Spirit of Rebellion was fully out and on the table, that Qui-Gon Rey has a little bit of a harder time with some of those ridiculously fast decks that it can't keep up with. And therefore, my initial thoughts about these spoilers turned out to not be true because I didn't understand that the meta would be yeah, changing. How, and how things change. And so I think that's one important thing to take into mind. Uh, when, you're, when you're looking at evaluating, evaluating cards, there might not be a slot in decks right now for a card when it gets spoiled. But who knows, there could be 20 other cards you haven't seen yet that when they all get together, that card's not amazing. Or the way people around you are playing all of a sudden, a strategy that didn't work before could become completely viable now. Like a support slot play. You might look at supports and just pass over them. Like, okay, cool. It's another three-cost support. It's a big support. No one ever plays supports. I'm not going to be playing supports. It's whatever. Right. Then, all of a sudden, you're like, but hey, I can play a slower deck. And I have now these characters and these defensive abilities to stay alive long enough that I can play all these supports. And I can let them do their thing. Sounds good. And um, just you have to you have to pretty much you have to be able to wait for the whole set before you set start saying some firmer reactions to things. Okay. So one of the last things I would do want to talk about though, when you're evaluating spoilers, is that it's okay to get excited. Because ultimately that is the whole point of these spoiler preview articles, is to generate enthusiasm. Like you shouldn't be, you know, sky is falling, this is going to ruin the game. But you also shouldn't be like, oh, this is just bad, it's not gonna do anything for me, there's no point to getting this expansion because it's all gonna be terrible. Well, you know, if you think that Mace Windu is gonna be bad because people are always going to control his four damage dice, maybe just wait until the set comes out and just see what the set brings and understand that the game is designed around a cohesive vision that the designers have all of the information that we don't have. Correct. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to say there. And uh, that'll probably wrap up our force training so pretty nicely. Let's talk about some Imperial inspection of uh, the Jedi champion, Mace you Windu. Mean the inspection of Mace Windu. The inspection of Mace Windu, yes. Let us inspect his maciness. Here's kind of what I'm thinking about Mace right now. And you know, this is all the caveat of what we just talked about, about, you know, <laughs> you know, don't make any firm decisions about things until you actually see the full set. But it's Mace Windu. But it, yeah, it's Mace Windu. He's going to be awesome. He's, and even if he's not the best, I'm still going to play him. Me too. Because he's got a four damage side. He's, he's the, the only character in the game so far with a four damage side. And I hope that he's the only one out of Spirit or out of Empire War that has the four damage side. I'm also really hoping we get a card like Deflect or Friendly Fire for melee damage. I think Deflect's mm. existence is part of the reason why melee has been so prominent because there's such a threat of of that happening to you if you play ranged decks. Right, and if you're playing those uh, those characters that have the three range sides, yeah, those getting deflect are pretty bad. Yeah. So you know, if your opponent reversals you, fantastic. You spent three dollars and set yourself and set yourself behind. You set yourself behind three dollars to remove one of my dice and do some damage to me. But without seeing some sort of effect that can make melee dice hit the player, I think melee, especially people like Mace Windu, are going to just be, continue to become more better and better than ranged dice. Right. So there's a couple things I want to talk about about Mace Windu. First off, I was kind of thinking you know, about like who you kind of pair him with. And I really like the idea of running Elite Mace Windu. I don't really kind of want to put much thought into single dice Mace Windu yet because... I think at, I mean, the, at, the, at the moment, there's not Right, really the excitement run. around him. you got to think about that elite version, right? And so with leaving only 8 points to play with after his 22 points, you're pretty limited on options. In terms of giving like an option from each color to pair him with, I really like the idea of pairing him with a Padawan in blue, a single die Maz in yellow, or in, if you're going to do red, a Rebel Trooper for Guardian. I think those are kind of three things that I really like. Um, you know, the Rebel Trooper, it's got that modifier side that you may not be able to take advantage of. But you get Guardian, give yourself some extra health for Mace Windu. And, you know, you get some uh, some interesting cards in there that can help you out. Field Medic. Right, Field Medic to give Mace that extra health. Plus, combine that with the Guardian, you've suddenly got a character that is going to be very tough to kill. Survival Gear isn't the worst. Not at all. 
You know, it has it has no blank sides, so it's which always going to be doing something, and it has a, it has that melee damage side, which isn't wasted if you're playing with mace. Right, and you you know you've got plenty of other good cards that are in Hero Red that can that can pair with that. I'm sure we'll get even more. Um, but man, I am so excited for Emace Padawan. I don't know about you, Brian, but Emace Padawan is probably the one I'm going to lean towards as we start getting more spoilers and seeing it's, more cards. It's either that or with Mons. Right. One of the things I really like about Padawan is that you can play Master of the Council on your Padawan instead of on to Mace Windu himself. Even doing things like, hey, turn one, Mace Windu rolled his four for one. I'm going to go ahead and destiny that four for one side and play Master of the Council on my Padawan turn one before I even activate my Padawan. Or maybe, you know, after I play a, I don't know, one resource vibro knife onto my Padawan, and suddenly you're looking at a, at a full health Mace Windu who's got no upgrades on him, or a dinky little Padawan who doesn't have anywhere near the impressive dice that Mace has, but has got two incredible upgrades on her. Very strong upgrades. Right, so now your opponent has to look at it and be like, well, shoot, I was going to go for Mace first to get his dice off the table, but now I've got a Padawan that can reactivate Mace and also do ridiculous damage to me. So At, at bare minimum, that Padawan can can hit someone for four damage because the Padawan dies half half black melees. Right. I mean even just a vibro knife on Padawan can be ridiculous. It's always solid. And you know those upgrades. The cool thing about Padawan Mace is that you get two different characters and a total of three character dice that all have half of their sides doing black melee damage. So you should never have a problem resolving like Makashi training. Right. Makashi is incredible in that deck. You know, you'll always be able to get off your I don't know, plus three damage modifier on Luke's lightsaber if you were to put that in there, or your plus two one. I do hope they release a hero only Vapod training. Ooh, maybe. Or I think I think what's more fascinating and interesting to look into is Mace Windu's lightsaber, his iconic purple lightsaber. Yeah. I do love purple. Oh man. There's so many good things about that. And you know, cards like Force Illusion and Force Speed, you know, if you got Force Speed on your Padawan and you do that four speed special and use your first four of those two actions to activate Mace Windu. You know you're going to get to uh, resolve whatever four it's, melee it's, sides it's, it's that you roll. Right, yeah, you, you could potentially resolve, you know, hey, look, I just rolled six melee damage on my two Mace dice. We'll go ahead and we'll resolve that with the other action. Six, yeah. Right. So I think that'll be really cool. You know, uh, Maz gives you options for fast hands on Mace, which is great. Super fast Mace. Yeah. <laughs> Man, there's just some ridiculously good combos here with both of them. I think if the if the meta becomes more control heavy, um, Mace with Maz is going to be a, a whole lot better. Um, but if, if it's if it's not too much control, especially if there's no way for you to hit your opponent back with their own melee dice, if there's no melee style deflect, I think that uh, Mace Padawan is going to be the way to go because there's so much value out of the Padawan die. Right. Her die is so great. Her ability to reduce the cost of frustration is so amazing. And I think that's the way to go. You know, we've seen around here locally with Andrew McNally running a lot of E. Luke Maz that if he can get that board state set up where he gets a fast hands four speed on Luke, if he can get on Maz's goggles on Maz, right? If he can get that board state out, then you know, if he can you know roll that four speed special with Luke, which you got the 50-50 shot of doing it, Pretty you know, four speed that fast hands that four speed special, roll your Maz in, and just go to town with your Luke. That they just can't even respond so to massive uh, damage. You still have an action left. You, you know, focus. You have you have a liberal focus side on Maz, and you have Maz's goggles. So right. the two dice you resolve are Maz's focus and Maz's goggles. So you focus the goggles to focus. You spend that focus. You focus both the Luke's dice to three melee. Boom. You still have, you still have that second action. Six right. Damage. Six damage. So the thing is, is that you can do the exact same thing with E Mace. Except now we're doing Maz, but now we're doing eight instead of six damage. Yeah, you got to pay two resources if you want to do that. But if you got everything set up ahead of time, man, that is just a wallop you can put on people. Or worst case scenario, you're just paying a dollar for the same amount. I mean, obviously, that's not the best thing ever, but you're not losing a whole lot of traction by going, okay, well, I'll switch the four for one and two melee. Right. You know, there's, man, there's some good stuff. Uh, Vibro Knife to make that damage unblockable. Plus, you know, we don't even know what goodies are waiting for us in Empire at War to help out those blue heroes. Most definitely. I'm sure that, you know, villains will get the stuff on their side to uh, make them equally as fearsome. You know, we might see a uh, scary Sith Lord title or something awesome like that that uh, makes us just equally excited to play the good guys. Maybe the Grand Inquisitor. Oh, man. 
I mean, I feel like if you're doing a set that's centered around Star Wars Rebels, that you got to have the Grand Inquisitor. I'm pretty in excited. There. I really like Grand Inquisitor in um, Imperial Assault, which is another fantasy flight game. Right. Uh, where you get to play miniatures of these of the of the units. He's pretty awesome there. He's pretty fun to play. So I'm hoping he they bring that same awesomeness to Destiny. Absolutely, and you know, we don't know ex who else we're going to see as far as characters from uh, Star Wars Rebels go. You know, we could see the Grand Inquisitor. We could see Agent Callus. You know, there's all sorts of different uh, characters we could get. Because uh, he's my favorite uh, X-wing pilot. Yeah. Other than Bosk, Finn Ryan Bosk, and so. Man, I'm really excited for when we see Bosk in so uh, in Destiny. Yeah. That'll be but fun. Since Finn Ryan does appear in Rebels, I'm holding on this tiny bit of hope. Right. That he he gets released. Bosk appears in Rebels too. I don't know that either. Although I haven't watched anything past like the first few episodes of season two. At least I'm pretty sure. Like, go ahead and, and you know comment if I'm wrong or something. But I'm yeah. pretty sure Bosk is in there. You're okay. Uh, Brian, what are you kind of uh, thinking about Mace Windu? Are you gonna maybe hold out for? hoping for something else coming out in Empire at War to pair with him character-wise, or what are you thinking? Uh, at this point, honestly, I really like Mace, so I'm going to try and make him work as much as I can with whatever I can pair him with. If he needs to be paired with Padawan, so be it. If he needs to be Maz, okay. We're just trying to get Mace out there and in action. With with today's meta, I actually, um, this last weekend at that casual tournament at the Geekery, I was playing Padawan, Padawan, Padme. Yeah, you're, uh, and, um, you're a terrible mill deck. It was just full of bad cards. I went two and two and got fourth place at that tournament. You did. So, you got me on strength of schedule by like point two. Yep. Well, I'm I, sorry, point zero. What two. I realized is in this melee heavy meta, force misdirection. Mm -hmm. Hero only one cost. Uh, pick a side that's showing on one of your blue dice. Remove all of your opponent's um, dice showing that symbol. That is fantastic. Also, and keep in mind that that dice is always going to be active, or that card's always active because blank is a symbol. Right. So I didn't I didn't know that for a very long time. It is. Yeah. Uh, blank's a symbol, so if your opponent rolls bad, you can you can you can, you can, you can make a, you can make it feel your anger. Yeah. Right. I, I think that card is a big reason why I think Mace and Hero Hero Melee in general, with the rise of villain Melee being a thing, with you know, with uh, Young Vader, with Old Vader, with FN, with Kylo, with all those guys being a big thing. Um, I think hero melee decks, hero blue melee decks would become a lot better. Right. And they still work against the other decks. You know, you roll a resource and your opponent rolls in and they got three resource dice showing. Most characters have a resource. Mm -hmm. Boom. Three dice gone. Yeah. You, know? you make a compelling argument there for it. Um, you know, I, uh, I just got nothing but, ex but excitement for, <laughs> for, for what we're going to see out of Empire at War. For our Jedi champion. Right, you know, we got our Jedi champion. I wonder if we'll see like the pod training, like we've seen uh, Force Makashi training and Makashi training. Who knows? You know, maybe I I would imagine that they'll continue to expand on those lightsaber styles. That would be very interesting. Um, maybe we'll see a Taru, like Qui Gon Jinn practices or something like that. Uh, just the possibilities are almost limitless. Almost. You know, we've got a lot of Star Wars material to pull so, from. From what Brian tells me, and correct me if I'm wrong, the pod. Uh, is a is a is what Mace Windu uses, right? It's and you it channel is the dark side of the force, essentially, more or less. You channel the dark side of the user back at themselves. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of theories on what happens specifically between the duel between Palpatine and Mace Windu. A lot of people say, "Oh, well, Palpatine let him win." However, some people would also say that Mace Windu's fighting style allowed him to channel the dark side back at. at Palpatine, right. and that allowed him to win. Essentially, um, it was the, the idea of the pod was that it kind of required the user to skate perilously close to the dark side in order to employ its aggressive style. However, Mace Windu, uh, the pod is actually the name he gave his adaptation of this style that allowed him to kind of control his usage of the uh, of the dark side rather than allowing it to control him. So maybe Vapod is where we see that melee deflect come through. Could very well and, be. You know, Mikashi training allows you to, uh, to remove a die to remove an opponent's die. Maybe maybe this, maybe this like Vapod training would say exhaust this support, deal one unblockable damage to this character in, and, you know, remove an opponent's die showing melee damage and deal that damage to a character. Yeah, very, it, like it that, could be. You know, that idea of skating close to the edge, you'll deal an unblockable damage to yourself because the villains is unblockable damage, heroes of shield. Right. So hit yourself with one unblockable, but then throw it back. So that way, 
that you're hitting them, hitting yourself a little bit, you're doing that skate. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. there's, gosh, the possibility in the game, man. That's one of the things I love about it is just that there is so much ground that they have already covered and so much more that they can still cover. Yeah, we need to see all of our favorite concepts come to light. Right. And uh, we're just going to have to, uh, we're going to have to win worlds next year so that uh, <laughs> we can, uh, we can design cards and we'll have to, uh, we'll have to come up with something good. So we'll see. Definitely. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think that uh, is probably an, an episode, our uh, good, good talk about Empire at War spoilers. Um, for our giveaway for this episode, what do you guys want to? Uh, what do you guys want to give away? Do you guys want to give away like a pair of Electroshocks and a Django promo? Um, or do you guys want to give away a World's Mon Mothma promo? Or what do you guys want to give away? We'll do one Django Fett and two Electroshock alt arts for our contest winner. I have Django Fett from every single uh, quarter two kit in the, in the area. Right, you've been turning down tokens to take more Django, Django Fett, I have uh, which makes no tokens. sense to me. All right. Well, guys, we'll uh, we'll call that an episode, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Brian, you got any final thoughts? Uh, no, I don't. Other than we'll uh, have you tune in next time, and we'll see you. Brand, you got anything to say that you've always wanted to say? There's a lot of things I want to say, but none of them apply to Star Wars Destiny, so I'll pull it off and start my own podcast about random ramblings. <laughs> Fair so enough. It has my name in it, so it's a pun. All right, and then I will. Uh, I will just say, salacious B crumb better be in the next set. One point, so we can be played my Jabba Dooku list. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.